Green Data and Risk Podcast. Today we'll be talking about data communities. To discuss with us different aspects of community building, we've invited Ravid Jain, the head community evangelist at Edscale and host of the Ravid Show podcast. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello, I'm Artur Guya, Cognition Search Solution Chief Risk and Strategy Officer, and with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we'll be talking about data communities, and we're excited to have with us as our guest, Ravid Jain, Head Community Evangelist at Edscale, Data Community Builder, Founder and Host of The Ravid Show, who agreed to share some of his experience with us. Hello, Ravid. Hi, Arthur. Hi, Marion. Thanks for having me on the show. I uh, love the work that you guys are doing and obviously enjoy your podcast, enjoy the guests who have, you have already you know, interviewed. Uh, can't wait to share uh, more about the data community building today with our audience. And not only is that, uh, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Yeah. We we truly believe that 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 you are let's say well equipped to to provide value to our audience. Uh, I think that your experience talking to many data people in your show gives you a meta perspective, which is which is very valuable and much broader than than single experts. So, uh, how, how about we start with you telling our audience what is data community? Like, how do you understand data community? Because yeah, we will get that. We will get to why and how. But let's start mm. with the definition of what is uh, what is the topic. Yeah, I think with uh, you know, like how I see at the data community is first of all, it's the humans who are and the data professionals who are making this community. But uh, it's where you're bringing all the data professionals under one roof, and this roof could be anything. It could be a Slack channel, it could be a conference, it could be something around the lines where we do regular meetups, or it could be something on the lines where you are putting out content and you are creating a community for yourself. In, uh, in terms of obviously the data community, it's about attracting the right people to join your community. This could be your own LinkedIn community, this could be your own network as well. If you're growing your network in this space and having those. Uh, you know, if you kind of creating the content for the data professionals, you're kind of creating a good data community for yourself. Uh, people look at data community in various ways um, where they feel that, okay, uh, our data community sits in our Slack channel or Discord channel or Discord channel. Uh, people also look at uh, the data community sitting in their network. Like it's just, it could be like where there are two way of, talking to the community or maybe just the one way. Uh, sometimes when you're just building a data community for your network uh, and putting out content, it could be one way. But uh, if folks are responding and uh, engaging on your content, it's two way. 
but uh, that's uh, in a nutshell what i would say data community is and uh, anything or uh, where anything or anywhere where you feel that uh, okay there are a group of people a uh, group of data professionals uh, who are coming under one roof is data community okay. to me so i i have a question because you you, yeah. you mentioned data professionals i'm uh, let's say uh, we are thinking about uh, data communities within large organizations because our audience is mainly uh, senior management so uh, is data are data communities limited to data professionals or let's say data enthusiasts and sh- sh- will they sh- can they include the people who will be data i would say consumers data users uh, so it can it be a community which connects these data professionals with data uh consumers or should it be a completely different forum so the the data community is for professionals and if some uh enthusiasts or or, or consumers want to connect they need another forum or can data community be extended to include data users i think uh, you know it's uh, about the data users data consumers not only just the data professionals because today when you talk about the data consumers they uh, want to be fully data literate as uh, the data professionals if they are getting into that field they want to make sure that uh, they are equally asking the right questions to the these and maybe vendors maybe the data professionals uh, so it kind of brings uh, them a, a good opportunity to learn about the data space and since they are consuming that type of content as well they want to or maybe using those tools or uh, you know implementing that those skill sets they want to make sure that they are part of those community as well we've seen a lot of enterprise leaders now building communities as well so which is kind of uh, interesting because when uh, in these are these could be data professionals who are working at enterprise enterprise companies but at the same time there are enterprise leaders who now feel uh, you know it's important to bring the community together and learn from them and at the same time impart uh, the enterprise level knowledge to them and what the enterprise uh, at a high level look like so i feel uh, to obviously a uh, long answer to your short question is 100% um, uh, we want to uh, include everyone to the community maybe the consumer maybe the user maybe uh, those who are uh, Uh, the data professionals for sure or maybe someone who's outside sitting as an enthusiast and because i've seen you know in the last few years i've seen data enthusiasts become uh, chief data scientists as well so i've seen that road map of uh, enthusiasts going long way and that is just possible because they have joined different types of communities uh, they've gone to different types of conferences and they have made that uh, impact in the community uh, to become and you know to learn from the community and grow so yeah, yeah. so if you, if you were yeah, if you were one uh, okay uh, let, let 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 me kind of uh, <laughs> ask one uh, if I've worked with with in 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 some some very big companies. So my my last company was HSBC, which uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, employs something like two hundred and twenty thousand people all over the world. And uh, one one thing I always was very wary about is uh, the company building communities inside it, because uh, I, I saw communities form, uh, 
and those were usually people who had some common interest. Uh, but the, yep. uh, the moment that the company builds a community or a community kind of emerges and the company takes an interest and starts building it up, it, it's, it all becomes very artificial. And, you know, there's a lot of people who show up just because they think, you know, they will get some brownie points from, from their boss for, for taking part. It's, it stops being a natural uh, kind of place where, where people can freely share their, their, their experience. Uh, how, how do you see this building of community? Who actually does the building and, and uh, you know, how to, how to actually make it work? Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point, Arthur, out there. I've seen myself where, you know, companies have gone out and, you know, these are huge companies and they want to build a community internally as well just to create a good brand awareness and at the same time also invite folks from outside. But what happens in such communities, it's more on the side where they're just talking about themselves. It's not something, you know, where uh, HSBC might talk about something else in terms of, you know, what other vendors are doing or maybe how the space. Obviously, I wouldn't expect if, uh, you know, HSBC is coming up with a community, they would want to talk about their competitors, but uh, at least about the space in general, because somewhere where data communities lose is when you start talking about yourself or start promoting yourself. And that's where people kind of lose the interest because it's it's they feel like the data professionals or enthusiasts or even the users they feel we'll kind of we're kind of limited to just learning about this company or rather we would want to be in a place where we can have a open uh, agenda to talk about different things and not only just stick to what technology this company is using or how are they improving their uh, you know their methodologies or technology in the data world so that kind of you know is uh, the downside and uh, it doesn't work uh, if you you know my advice to companies would be if you're wanting to build a community make sure that uh, first of all don't have your own employees in there it won't help because everyone like arthur mentioned everyone wants to have that brownie point to impress <laughs> their own bosses <laughs> which can you know which is like a downside because uh, it will disinterest the community build a community which is neutral you have uh, you can invite all the vendors all the data professionals all the data users have something have those topics which are kind of interesting for the audience talk about the trending topics and talk in a way where you're giving equal attention to everyone in a community because if i start a community today i'm and we have 5000 people in the community uh, the day we have like even 10 people, I'm kind of equal to them. I'm not an admin out there. Uh, I have to be treated equally and everyone else has to be treated equally where they're getting equal advantage since they're investing that time in that community. It kind of helps them to go a long way and learn from, you know, the community and uh, give them that space to, you know, talk about different things like, uh, even if they're talking about your competitors, uh, give them that uh, uh, mileage, which can go a long way for them as well. Because if they're not getting that, uh, I feel you're losing on community because most of the companies, like the first mistake that they do is adding their own employees in there. And uh, when you have obviously, say, 5,000 people who are just of your company, I'm sure 10 of those would talk about the company itself just to feel, you know, that this is what we're doing or maybe, you know, just amplify their own work in that external Slack mm -hmm. channel or 
you know any other platform so that doesn't work i feel i feel the things can, that kind of work is give everyone a neutral platform don't talk about your game okay sometimes about some announcements you can you know put it out there and uh, they can in your own nose but uh, i still feel you know going out and uh, keeping it equal make the topics very much neutral give everyone else that space to talk that will go yeah. long way uh, i i would challenge it a little if you don't mind because yeah sure um, there are communities which are i work in big pharma and there were yeah. communities uh let's say again 200 300 people there yeah. is a lot of people also who have something to say but they need space to discuss stuff which may not be really uh discussed outside of the company so these co- communities uh mm-hmm. in my experience they should also we should be able to create communities just for the company employees so they can discuss stuff which cannot be discussed somewhere else do you think it's it's also you know because i understand that you, you are talking about this cross yeah. mm, cross company communities open communities and then starting such a community is a risk because then it becomes your promotion platform not the thought exchange platform but uh, do you think mm-hmm. it's also feasible to create the communities for uh, an interesting point to the, how they how they defended from brownie points uh, the managers had no entry there there were channels which were mm-hmm. um, created for professionals for users but the the managers were strictly prohibited from entering this space they were not invited not wanted uh, just to pre- pre- prevent uh, and it worked people were discussing mm-hmm. like data users with 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 uh, software developers like you know so so it was like software developers data people and 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 uh, business people uh removing managers from from the equation opened up the discussion what do you think about such an idea no i think uh, marin you've raised a fantastic point obviously it's different from what i am talking about is obviously on the lines which is across uh, community but this is where if you're wondering if one needs to have a community internally if you have many employees like obviously if you have a company more than 1000 plus employees i think internal community is much needed and i like the point where you mentioned about obviously eliminating the part where they can impress their managers let's not have the managers in there rather have like uh, those folks who are working who are like the data engineers i would say in our case and those business level folks who are actually other decision makers because what what will happen is when the business starts talking uh, the engineers can actually go out and talk about their problems and when they do that we're bridging the gap between the engineering and the business goals and to be honest every manager out there will want to uh, you know go out and achieve the business goal first and then talk about the engineering bit but when you're bringing them in a community i think you're already solving that problems because i've also seen you know just to take an example where a lot of vendors go out there and you know obviously sell different types of software to or tools and the the business decision makers kind of say that okay this is what all this is all we need because they are the decision makers but uh, there's there are a lot of times when the engineering aspects uh, you know kind of feel that like the engineering team kind of feels that oh this is 
not of use to us we've already we 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 using something which is way more uh, complex and better than this uh, at the same time so those types of things could be you know bridged in such type of community and it can go long way 100% for the business and at the same time for those engineers who are kind of struggling but not only just that obviously in terms of you know talking about different things in uh, which easily they can't go out and discuss about um you know in company meetings or in their own uh, team meetings i think this is a good platform for them to uh, go out and talk about different things but at the same time uh, talk about what the competitors are doing why if they if they feel there's something that they can adapt and uh, move forward so for the company goals i think this this type of community kind of is amazing i uh, so I, arthur i i need to follow up now uh, i will give you the next one uh, <laughs> you mentioned very important thing. We have vendors coming to decision makers, to managers, and selling their software. Okay, so let's yeah. say that we have this community, internal community, which works on on the knowledge base and uh, let's say the technology base that is available in the company. So there is this community. And now, actually, I'm a bit contradicting myself. But if we disconnect managers from this community, managers who are being sold to may not have visibility of what is really available. So how would we bridge this gap between, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking from the senior manager, like, you know, I have this company and they showed me these beautiful PowerPoint slides and all these little Venn diagrams and all these little, you know, colorful charts. And it seems like I will buy it and, you know, we will, our results will sky, skyrocket. And how, how can we bridge? Because we have this community which developed the solutions, which, uh, understands the limitations of this new vendor and like you know they understand the little print uh, how do we bridge this gap because uh, honestly i'm at the loss now <clears throat> yeah no i think uh, marian when i was you know even explaining that point i thought it myself and i'm talking about the business people in the in the community it kind of mm -hmm. feels that okay those are the managers itself or those are the decision makers much more in the uh, leadership team but what i feel is maybe just create a separate channel in a community mm -hmm. obviously we can have different channels and mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. this channel one channel would be specifically about new tools new softwares new ways to you know get the ball rolling and go upscale uh, the mm -hmm. team in a different direction just have the uh, you know business people because uh, the business people managers also don't want to go out and uh have that talking or they can't follow so much talking every day so rather just mm -hmm. keep them in this channel which will be limited to something what they are looking at and this would be for brainstorming the, where the engineering teams can actually come up with ideas and uh put that proposal in a way which is kind of informal that these are the tools which we feel we should be adapting to you know have those clean data have that data which will actually be processed very smoothly it will be uh, taking much lesser time and um, uh, you know just going out and convincing the management in a way which where management can ask questions the managers uh, the business people can have those right uh, i would say get those right insights in a very informal way and uh, when they go out there and you know are making even those uh, managers who are going out there and you know trying to finalize some vendors or some softwares i think this platform could be a great way where you know five engineers might say that 
okay, this is the pros, these are the cons, but uh, we feel that the pros would overtake the cons and we would want to go with this. So a good polling can be done and uh, those types of things, you know, kind of build a good community internally. But at the same time, it also gives a good confidence to businesses where they, the managers, the management is not taking decisions only because they are influenced by uh, the salespeople or others in the community because uh, there are times where I've seen leaders obviously uh, going out and taking decisions because uh, they also have another company where they are advisors and that company has adapted a software and now they feel that they can have the same similar software but the businesses are kind of different. different so how can it work in the same company and that's what is a good differentiating factor but uh, it's basically you know in the data community or in any community to be honest there's a huge gap when there are many employees if you're going about thousand employees there's a huge gap between the business people the uh, data the, people, the, software uh, development the, teams. No. Exactly, Absolutely. these people need to bring. We need to bring them together. And th- we, when you say having an internal community, only community internally would work is when uh, it's limited to the company, but also having access to the management at the same time. The the technical. No, it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant, simple solution. Like you know, have different spaces. So the space where we you know talk about stuff uh, without brownie points and a, and a communication channel where again uh the the i don't think cto has time to to read all the discussions and try to dig out uh the nuggets of gold from the pile of uh noise that will be generated <laughs> mm, around it yeah okay arthur your turn but- because I, 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 have million, I have a million questions so i'm i'm <laughs> I, i'm right now actively suppressing myself <laughs> I, I I kind of uh, I'm I'm listening to this this discussion about uh, how how this community should be built, and I'm 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 still thinking you know how to, how to do it in practice because uh, you know just like building a company culture, and we had a, a discussion with in another episode about well, what's company culture and and whether you can build it or whether it happens by itself. Uh, again, uh, it's uh, it's kind of. Uh, there's, there's, there's. Uh, we're talking about, you know, the best practices, how to, how to organize the channels. Who actually is going to do the organization? Do you, in your experience, when you've seen these communities actually uh, uh, emerge, were they uh, grassroots uh, initiatives where employees have been uh, kind of building them? Do you see the the CTO kind of putting the the word out there and giving a platform? Or do, do, you, do you see it some, somewhere in the middle, some, something very organic? So uh, basically, it depends on, uh, to be honest, I don't want to be diplomatic, but it, it depends on company to company on that front where, you know, it is, uh, you know, I've seen companies uh, which are open source, obviously, which have an open source community. They want to go out and uh, build a community, you know, just in where they have like even 100 users or contributors, they want to start building their community from grassroots. But this is about, you know, obviously having an external community when we're talking about an internal community as well. I've seen companies with just 20 employees and uh, now feel that uh, we are growing, we have funding, we want to go ahead and, you know, get more 20 engineers joining us. 
so this is the right time when you know we built a place where our communication is kind of centralized and when you have that you know from the grassroots level it goes long way because now it's in the practice of the other 20 who are joining but at the same time those five engineers who have started building it from scratch who could actually navigate internally and tell these 20 engineers that this is what we've done this is how the code works these are the softwares that kind of support uh, what we are doing and these are the gaps uh, in what we are doing and we want to you know achieve these gaps to make sure that we are going to the next level now can you guys suggest us about the next steps how we can fill this gap maybe talk about software maybe talk about resource talk about bringing in a new uh, strategy i think uh, that kind of you know goes long way i've seen companies going from seed series to now unicorns just because they had the communication in place from day one and that's what i feel kind of uh, is a key to win internally as well uh, and at the same time the team is kind of closer uh, to each other uh, but challenges come when you have 200 employees or 200 engineers now how do they talk there's so much noise or uh, not all those 200 folks would be that open to talk you know uh, about it in a slack channel or in a channel which mm. is accessible to everyone and uh, to be honest typical engineers they they are, they come from the nerd world to be honest no offense to any engineers but uh, obviously uh, they love to be you know in their own world because they program they code they are in their own space and they don't want to have like so much of communication or so much of suggestions and that's why what uh, companies do is they keep those gatekeepers which will be which could be the managers but at the same time uh, these could be the team leads who are very close to who have small teams of five or six people and can collate their communication and bring it to you know the group altogether so that kind of goes long way but uh, again obviously i know i've given a long answer here but i feel is <laughs> uh you know starting with a grassroots kind of goes long way but now you know when we talk about companies which already have like thousand employees how do they do it again the strategy i would say is step two maybe have those 10 gatekeepers who can talk for 200 people and 20 people each uh, from their team and you know bring them together uh, get them to a place where they can say that okay this is what our team suggests this will actually you know uh, bridge the gap between uh, three teams or four teams and it will actually fill those gaps which we are looking at in the future as well the current hurdles will be solved and even the clients what they're looking out for our teams are ready to go out and do it in a way which where we have these tools and uh, these tools will support to get to the next level with the clients as well so the having those gatekeepers i i i feel kind of makes a lot of sense rather than uh, uh thinking or wondering that oh we'll have those 200 or 500 engineers going out and you know communicating that's not going to happen because engineers don't want to talk so much <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you, so you actually mentioned open source open source software and it's very interesting because it, it does look like the mindset and organization required to develop a data community is very similar to the mindset yeah. and organization required we will have an episode on uh, open source software in data science uh, wow. very soon 
So that will be that that will be a, a topic we'll, ta- we'll but, tackle but there as I will, well. I will, I will, I will, I will get back. I I will again play the old grumpy guy. So let's say I am uh, I am a senior manager. Absolutely, it's just me being me. Um, I am a senior manager, and other than you know selecting or making people select these gatekeepers. How can I support this community? So I need to have this, this let's say, some channel or, or, or space where we can discuss. I need to make sure that they have their own behind the um, behind the closed door space where you know management doesn't interfere. There is this channel between them and me. They have these gatekeepers. What else can I do to to help this this? I, as Arthur said, there is a risk that I will overdo it and I will throttle. Uh, the community by influencing it too much. So I need to give them the space to grow. But is there anything, me as a senior manager, that I can do to accelerate? To We had a, we, we had an amazing episode about creating this uh, innovation labs where mm. there was like um, dedicated space and a, I don't know, shared workforce uh, or, or, or working time space for people to business people to work with, with, with data professionals. So let's nice. say, uh, but the question is when, when it comes to communities, something which is not as formal as innovation lab, like what can I do to really support them? I feel one thing, you know, there are a few things that come to my mind is one thing for sure, go out and make sure that, uh, first of all, you are having those feedbacks form rolled out and anonymous ones, because, if you want to learn and if you want to get those real-time insights about where people are going wrong or what they feel, which, uh, where, you know, how easily can things be done, but it's, you know, kind of uh, complex at the moment, I feel roll out that feedback form uh, and trust me, you'll get so many good answers you might have never imagined about because, uh, you know, people want, people feel when they are on a form, they're not questioned back and rather they could be heard. And that's what I've seen a lot of such type of practices in big, big, big companies where they have like 10,000 employees. They want to see like at least thousand of those people from, uh, you know, if they can, if they have 3000 people in the data world, like in the data department, they, if they can get like even 1000 responses, that's a big win for them because now they've heard thousand people, uh, which they would have never heard in a meeting or on a Slack channel or on a community or even going one-on-one because sometimes most of the times it's about the miscommunication. Even when I say, obviously there are gatekeepers, gatekeepers can also go wrong about communicating what those 20 folks have actually mentioned about. And if you know, out of, 10 gatekeepers, two of those kind of go wrong. There's again, you guys are in the same bucket where you guys were. So there's no solution. Rather, you know, you're just depending on the 80, 80% of the uh, gatekeepers who have mentioned something. But uh, these are technical things. You need to understand that even 20% kind of matters. If everyone wants to bridge that gap, you need to be all 100%. And uh, I feel feedback forms kind of, since it's written, it's out there, you can read it, you can understand what you kind of, you know, wanting to achieve. Uh, you can go out with that. Other thing, obviously going in, you know, doing things which are long-term about giving spotlight to 
these engineers, these data professionals about what they're doing, give them that space to, you know, come out and talk about the product that you already have, uh, get them, you know, tied to the product managers, which we haven't obviously spoken a lot about, but they kind of play a very important role, not only just in the marketing, sales, uh, the business, or even the executive team, because they have a lot of say when they go out and make sure that the customer likes the product and they are the real, uh, I, I, I would say evangelists out there who are saying that, okay, the customer feels the product UI doesn't support what they're looking for. How can we make changes, but changes in a way which will actually be something relevant for other hundred customers as well. So it's a huge, huge, uh, I would say a huge, uh, uh, I, I feel a huge responsibility for the product managers. And if, uh, you know, if you're connecting those technical folks to your product managers, they're good friends. If they are good friends, because uh, say product managers are already good friends with sales, marketing, the business owners, <laughs> the management. But if they're good friends with the technical folks, trust me, uh, the technical folks can go out and uh, do wonders to get their customers happy and the product managers benefit out of it. And that's what we want to uh, uh, make. That's what we want. You know, every company wants to achieve is where their technical folks are kind of uh, friends with the product managers, the product marketers, because only those product managers, marketers have our partnership level folks have access to customers and they are listening the right feedback from the customer and bringing back to these technical folks. So just to make, that's, just to make a yeah. note, just to make a note, you mean both uh, internal and external customers, the, the product doesn't have to be something which is customer facing outside it can be internal products used by the business where the customer is actually in a marketing oh, yeah. department or, or business department no 100% yes in my work when it comes to, to, to architectures like i for big companies with uh, extremely diverse data users i promote uh, promoter like i advise to consider uh, implementing data mesh where where you have people from business working with people from data working with people from IT on a domain mm -hmm. level uh, I guess uh, the communities are serving similar function of bringing together these three functions it may not be uh, but uh, like do you think it's advisable you have these gatekeepers? I guess each gatekeeper is serving a single I would say domain like area of, of operations um would it be advisable to to create some intra-domain fora or micro communities where these 20 people who until now spoke with just gatekeeper would mm. talk to other people from the product because i'm 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 wondering if these product managers that you mentioned are they uh are they um, transparent enough so to speak or do they have ability to transfer all the information don't they become a bottlenecks in the communication like sh sh should we think of uh, i'm not sure i'm asking uh, like micro communities around the products where we take you know users and 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 product manager and technical team together or yeah. is product manager manager enough i i don't know 
So basically, to be all, that's a very good question, and that's a dilemma in you know even in people's mind when in the teams internally as well. Like because product managers have a huge responsibility, as I mentioned, if they have a five hundred k customer sitting out there, they are managing their portfolio, and if they come, if if that customer says this is how we want, and this is how. the ui ux kind of fits in with our customers with whom we are providing the software with uh this product manager is in huge trouble because uh there are other customers using the same ui and ux now how is technical team going to make those changes particularly for this uh vendor or this customer subset so exactly it's it's kind of and these product managers when they come back to uh, obviously the technical folks they they can only give the feedback that this is what we feel now can you make those changes and the technical team says that okay when we were shipping this to the client we made it according to what they needed now they have come up with a new change because they feel that their customers don't like the ui or ux but there are other 100 customers who are using the same thing and if we want to make those customizations obviously there's a cost involved there's obviously profitability which will start playing a very important role there'll be more tools that we would need to you know uh, make sure that the company that the you know the the software is adjusted as per the client's requirement and uh, then it's uh, and obviously the technical folks won't say anything they would say okay we can do it but uh, we need these things in place and this this will go on to obviously another 200k of uh, costing um and we can make those changes for sure just for this client and it's a mess because now the product manager has see the portfolio going 200k lower uh and earlier it was 500k now they feel that okay we are just uh, and the product manager would want to convince the technical folks is there some other way out because i feel the technical folks are time bounded they have those deadlines they want to make sure that they are achieving it very quickly and they would want to use the right tools and the fastest tools which can get them to places obviously with cost cutting they can go with tools which are uh not to that high level and you know go out and say that okay the expenditure would be 100k instead of 200k but uh, that's a huge like even even when we are having that type of communication uh it's already a bottleneck for the product managers because the product managers won't be able to say that we can't go on the costing uh we want it to like obviously they themselves the product team would want it to be the same uh amount of uh you know the revenue that they are seeing from this customer they don't want to go out and spend another 200k just on the client so those types of things i think uh, you know with the micro communities as well it's not going to resolve it's a problem which will uh, still continue uh, it can only be resolved when you know the real business kind of understands it and uh, those business leaders if they come in and say that yeah okay we are you know uh, we are keeping those margins uh, for such type of customer where we have like okay it's a 500k customer and we are expecting it to have you know uh, some expenditure of say 200k which is almost 20% i think it's still huge 
uh, and business leaders don't say that ever but uh, somewhere i feel they do un- they do know the game very well where even if we are getting uh, going out with a customer which is 500k we'll have a good expenditure of uh, 200k according to their needs and costings and even the resources that we're using so i think uh, only business leaders can come out and say to the product managers that go ahead we are okay with the expenditure but uh, they never do that because that's how i think the business functions and uh, that's how i feel the product managers also go a long way to convince the technical folks that we want to make it more reliable we want to make it more uh, cost effective for our team as well and that's the only thing but uh, i don't think micro communities would be you know interested to uh, like even if that discussion kind of goes in uh this is the same way how it will be discussed it can be like the product managers can easily discuss it with the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper mm-hmm. can go out and tell it to those 20 people okay. 20 folks that this is what we feel yeah okay it m- m- makes sense uh i have another you know question you know more about let's say let, let's get off this this uh, specific let's say business type yeah. uh, communities and talk talk general uh In most communities, there are different types of people. There are those who are, let's say, a bit louder, more strong opinionated. Uh, there are those who are sometimes uh, obnoxious. Uh, in our different podcasts, we we discussed, we, we we had a whole podcast about ego and role of the ego in in business. Now we are talking about communities, especially. Uh, mm. I think it's important in communities of of, of technical people. Because as you as you notice, very very often and informal don't. ones, yeah, uh, informal yeah. Uh, informal informal communities of of, of people who uh, very often are introverts. I know it's a stereotype, and I know software um, uh, software uh, developers by uh, by education by heart who are now, in example, running a podcast, going very extroverted wow. ways. Uh, but we need to respect that. Many people in in um, software development or data world, uh, they are a bit more introvert. And mm. as much as it's a stereotype, I know that there are coaches saying they need to leave their zone of comfort. No, I I, I personally believe in leaving people in their comfort zone where they do the job that they are being paid for. They do it well, and now we are looking for ways of extracting more value from them. Maybe also giving them value, but without breaking their character so yeah do you have any advice on running these communities in a way that they are not hijacked by some loudest but it may mean, yeah. mean well I, i'm not saying it's nefarious uh or or or, or malevolent uh, uh malevolent malicious but, uh, malicious um yep. it's but but like every community has these people who are just taking over the discussion uh how do you propose because it's very much let's say now now we i'm thinking about this part where we remove the managers because if you have high level manager he can say oh you and you just you know shut up <laughs> you and you talk uh but we have this informal community so i think you know in terms of the informal community as well it's uh, you're right 
where there are people who might dominate the community in uh, obviously since they are kind of loud out there there are some intelligent people who are like i know better than you but uh, i'm an introvert and i don't want to talk about it uh, unless someone comes and talks to me so that's why what we do is always when we are coming out with communities we make sure that uh, there are different channels for everyone even when you go to a meetup or conference there are different types of sets of you know stages and you know topics that are kind of discussed and those kind of bring the right character of people if uh, if you know just to take an example obviously when i see a open source community and i'll see there are um, obviously channels like which are basic channels like introduce yourself events uh, talk about your stuff that you're doing like the shameless plugs that you can do mm-hmm. and the technical bits which is where the engineers and most of the contributors would be active in because mm-hmm. they might i'm an engineer out there i don't want to talk about how what people you know i don't want to listen to people who are solving problems for their customers using the code uh, using this product in various ways but i would rather want to uh, take on those uh, problems which the community can solve and i'll go in that technical slack especially where i can put in my code and ask folks that what do you think about it and will it serve my purpose this is what my problem looks like and uh, this is where i'm stuck and there will be like uh, obviously since it's an open source community slack channel there'll be so many people who would go out and respond because and those are the uh, you know typical same characters who have joined this community for they are nerds they want to actually just talk about coding and that channel is specifically for them for those who want to be business leaders or thought leaders and have that loud voice they they might go out and talk about the product and how they are solving the problem for different customers uh, using this maybe the open source community uh, or uh, the repository basically so i think those channels kind of uh, is the best way to even channelize these characters where they can go out and talk mm-hmm. about what they're doing in uh, they kind of feel happy that we are in good place where what we want to talk about we have our specific channel we'll go out and talk about it if you say obviously there are uh, folks who might want to dominate that space as well i think uh, it's kind of difficult with the coding because uh, if someone's dominating in that space obviously he's a huge contributor and the other engineer would would actually not feel dominated but actually look up to that person and ask questions and say that okay i'm kind of wanting to learn from what this guy is doing and uh, you basically that will actually build a good community and that's how you know is those are the crux of communities where like minded folks are coming together and making sure that they can learn from each other but at the same time there are obviously folks who allowed in uh who go out there and talk about different things uh they don't go long way if they are specifically going out and being dominant i would say uh, rather community understands that very well in uh, a community is a place where you need to be a giver first rather than uh, feeling that okay there's uh, you know you can be a influencer just in a day or you can influence people or talk about different things i feel uh, folks need to understand one thing very well the person who brings a lot of 
content a lot of uh, value value and impact to the other community members and if they are kind of educating them in the right way that will only get you to a place where uh, you'll be a good part of the community and others will want to follow you because now you've done so much for them so uh, but still you 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 still a part of the community you still need to uh, learn from others you still need to contribute you still need to get, bring back that value why people should follow you or why people should learn from you uh, and i think that's like a successful community so no uh, don't worry about someone who's loud or dominant uh, if if they are out there uh and if, if they, they bring value it's they have full right to yeah. to, to be loud and, and, seen and being seen mm -hmm. and i think the combination of of of, of this kind of uh, uh contribution mentality plus the gatekeepers that we've spoken spoken about before that that combination should ensure a, a certain shaping of the community that uh, is yeah. actually focusing it on the in the right direction on the on the right topic and then you know it's it's uh, I, I mean a, a lot of the communities because obviously we don't we don't want to create another reddit but uh, mm -hmm. there, there are there are a lot of of, of communities out there fo focused on on software development on on open source as you say and uh, i think those those will be very good uh, role models for for yeah. this kind of community i and heard that they plan to rename programming to searching stack overflow but I'm not sure if it's oh. just a rumor. <laughs> yeah, the whole dis the whole discipline is just going to be stuck. Uh, you know, uh, in Stack Overflow searching instead of yeah. mastering computer science. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I I have another question if you if you don't mind, yeah. Mm, yeah. because we speak a lot and we work a lot uh, as a consultancy with knowledge transfer, mm. and. Uh, as I, I didn't bring up Stack Overflow by accident, uh, the question is, uh, how do you structure the knowledge which is shared? Because you, you, you spoke a lot about, I would say, the tooling of, of, of data communities, but it's not yeah. about just uh, you know, sitting with a cup of coffee and uh, discussing. It's about uh, having the proper, proper tooling to build these communities. I, I loved what you said about channeling uh this the people into 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 the channels okay this is who shouts the loudest channel this is who uh thinks the smartest of the channel well i hope i didn't oversimplify it too much <laughs> uh but the uh is there any any su suggestion on because i guess if it's a big community uh amount of information generated and knowledge generated is enormous so Mount, masters right? in searching searching uh, stack overflow i guess is not that stupid as it sounds because the amount of knowledge also there is gigantic do you have any advice on structuring this knowledge because let's say i am the contributor not that i am but let's imagine like please stretch your imagination i am the contributor i am saying let's say something something important for the community and then i'm gone i'm not able to repeat or direct people yeah i actually answered this type of question nine months ago on this channel like how would you approach uh ensuring that the knowledge generated within the community is i would say um, corporate knowledge again i'm coming back to this to this corporate communities but how would you ensure is there any tooling or or, or ad approach 
that you would suggest to ensure uh, findability of the of the generated knowledge? Yeah, I think uh, with big corporates, they it's kind of super easy for them to just you know uh, have it uh, over their slacks itself because it's uh, easy when you have a pro version, you can just find it in like tips. Uh, even if I have to go somewhere where it's like uh, something that we've spoken in 2020, I easily do it like just by searching a keyword. So that's how it kind of works very well for a community. But if you're thinking around something which is in, that's why most of the, uh, you know, the open source communities are on Slack as well, because they feel that it's kind of discoverable uh, very easily. The folks who have written some code, if they, you know, even write something on the similar lines, they can easily find it, uh, even if it's like five years back. So uh, those types of things kind of work. If you're wondering if, you know, uh, going out and creating something which is uh, a software for these folks where they can have their codes and then it's available for everyone. Uh, they can do that easily, but we already have Stack Overflow for that. So then I feel, you know, that, that's one of the biggest communities out there. And, um, you know, obviously when when we learn about the Stack Overflow as well, like when when I started, I know like, Obviously, when I started following it, I know uh, I was working for Pack Publishing and we were actually following Stack Overflow to understand what are the trends, what are people, you know, actually looking at because we used to commission books and these were ID books, data science, AI type of books where there are different types of uh, languages that we are writing books on and how many users are out there. So it's a benchmark out there. And if you want to actually... Uh, you know, uh, learn about the code in general. Stack Overflow is your place. But if you're looking out for uh, open source communities, I think they already have these Slack channels where everyone kind of writes in. You can easily go out and uh, search about it. So I feel, uh, you know, even engineers or the business leaders, they don't want to overcomplicate this space. There's already, like you mentioned, there are, first of all, so many people and then there's enormous number of uh, content already. So these folks, you know, don't want to have like another channel where oh, we're doing more things now and you can come and input your info here. They don't want to <laughs> go on and do that extra overboard stuff. But uh, I feel, yeah. I have, I have the last question. Uh, yeah. Stack Overflow, and I've seen people actively uh, actively, let's say, um, showing off their, their 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 budgets on Stack Overflow. Uh, do you think the gamification is a way to make the the channels li- or, or or communication channels and communities lively li- livelier, or is it a waste of time? It does help uh, when uh, it's a huge community. Like, obviously, I'll keep this answer very short because. That's what it is. If the community is huge and with every community that we're talking about today, don't expect that community to have like more than 35% of the folks active. I've never seen a community with 10,000 members and all the 10,000 members are talking because half Mm -hmm. of the community is just there to learn. And when they reach a level, then they want to contribute. Or, Or maybe they have other problems like you mentioned about being an introvert 
they still don't feel that they have the right channels that they should be talking about uh if mm-hmm. there's i'm sure if there's a channel which is uh which says that this channel is for introverts i'm sure uh, those 6500 people out of the 10000 would be in that channel and then still they won't talk <laughs> it will be and it will be empty it will be just like you know black screen <laughs> like still waiting <laughs> for for at least hello <laughs> exactly so uh, i you know obviously that's what i feel with the gamification it's uh, it's going to go out with the uh, larger number of uh, folks in a community if it's a small community it's not going to matter a lot yeah okay yep. uh i i think i think this was this, this this was extremely useful and uh we've got we've we've got this uh this uh, kind of pile of advice about about creating the the, the communities which uh hopefully should uh, enable uh, people who are interested in, in 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 this to create either communities within a company to help specific goals specific projects with specific technologies or more kind of wider you know between companies share the experience uh, you know spread the, the best practices i think this is uh, this is quite universal and as you said depending on the on the conditions so you just you just tweak the methodology a bit and and ad- adapt it Uh, if people want to learn more about uh, kind of what what you uh, advocate and what what you evangelize about, uh, obviously they have the Ravid show. Uh, how they can yeah. contact you? So uh, the best place to reach out to me is obviously on LinkedIn, where I'm quite active. I'm uh, making sure that uh, I'm kind of diligently. Uh, I at least I try to respond to everyone uh, possible, and uh, you can also reach out to the www.theravitshow.com where you can find all the leaders uh, who I've interviewed. You can learn about uh, different resources that we share on LinkedIn as well. I, you know, for me, a community kind of comes first, and uh, also the content that community needs. comes first so you guys can reach out to me on linkedin my website or uh, you know also check out the ravit show youtube channel uh, we always do once a week shows uh, with leaders uh, and these are live shows so you might enjoy you might also get a chance to come closer to these ceos ceos and ask some interesting questions about their journey not only is that if you feel okay you want to ask something about the product services that's the place But uh, yeah, I know I've overplugged myself. Uh, but you can find me on these channels. No, that that's good because you know we we've we've only had a, an hour, and uh, this is this is just dipping the toe in this vast area of information okay. that uh, obviously is explored much deeper on your channel. So uh, people who are interested, uh, I'm I'm sure they will uh, they, follow there. They, they, yeah. they will use that. Yeah, follow, follow up. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I think that's all uh, all we have time for. And as always, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out the Rabbit Show. As usual, the link will be available in the notes to this episode. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking about explainable AI. To discuss with us the practical aspects of making your AI and machine learning models explainable, we've invited Serge Massis. data scientist specializing in agriculture with a background in entrepreneurship and web app development and author of the interpretable machine learning with python subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests
You can also check out Cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Threat Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, thank you from myself, Artur Guya, and my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guide, Dr. Marek Thank you and goodbye.